everybody's crying. My kids are crying. Jackie's crying. I'm crying. And this fundamentally changes the way I think about disease and health. It will change the way I practice medicine, and it will change the focus of my clinical research. Yeah. And I've since made it my mission to teach the public that there's so much that we can do to change the course of our illness, to teach clinicians how to use these concepts in their clinical practice, and to do the research that will change the standard of care. The current understanding of progressive MS is incomplete. How much recovery might be possible? I am Lisa Roars, former executive coach turned podcaster and digital course creator. Just a few years ago, my typically unwavering optimism was put to the test when my autoimmune system went sideways and handcuffed my dreams to positively impact the world. Fast forward though, through years of failed experiments, dozens of doctors and countless hours of research, and I am now a healthy, thriving CEO of a business that is positively impacting the world by empowering people to exchange fear for fortitude and dis-ease for durability. I created the Sunshine Cafe podcast to give you strategies to be your best self-advocate so you can focus on the things which light you up. If you're looking for hope and encouragement to live a life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the Sunshine Cafe podcast. My guest today is known around the world for her pioneering research and success in reversing chronic and progressive multiple sclerosis. In 2018, she was awarded the Institute for Functional Medicine's Linus Pauling Award. She's the author of The Walls Protocol, a radical new way to treat all chronic autoimmune conditions using paleo principles, and the cookbook, The Walls Protocol, Cooking for Life. Dr. Terry Walls is an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner and conducts clinical trials in the setting of multiple sclerosis with the goal of changing how we clinically treat this disease and others like it. She knows this area very well, and in this episode, you'll hear why she has lived through it as both doctor and patient. It's important for us to remember that science is ever evolving. What we know today to be true is only true until we observe a new and different outcome, effect, or improvement. In 2008, Dr. Walls was banned as a speaker, condemned, and all sorts of terrible things were said about her, calling her ideas and her fact-based research dangerous. Fast forward a few years, and today she's being celebrated as one of the most important and leading dietary research investigators in the setting of multiple sclerosis. She is a highly sought-after keynote speaker making strides in medicine that will surely impact millions of lives and is already doing just that. Grab your notepad and paper or open up your notes app on your device. There is so much good information in this episode. You might need to listen twice. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing Dr. Terry Walls. Welcome back to the Sunshine Cafe, everyone. This episode is for the doubters. Anyone out there who's heard some of our stories already about people healing themselves from changing diet, but kind of have been sitting on the sidelines, not sure if they believe it. <laughs> well, today is your day. Terry, thank you and welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just back up a little bit. Maybe our listeners aren't as familiar with your work. Could you give them an overview of 
your story and how you sure. got to where you are now? So I'm an internal medicine physician. Uh, and in retrospect, everything began during medical school back in 1980. And I'd had some episodes of electrical face pain for about 20 years and gradually getting worse, more troublesome. Then I started having difficulty with my left leg, started stumbling. I uh, saw a, a neurologist who, um, you know, did an exam and said, you know, Terry, this could be bad or really, really bad. And then, you know, we, we began doing the test. Uh, and so over the next three weeks, I'm in bed laying awake at night uh, thinking about the fact I've had 20 years of progressively worse uh, electrical face pain. And I know I have clearly some sort of progressive disorder. So actually, I'm praying for a rapidly fatal diagnosis. I don't want to become disabled. Two weeks later, I hear multiple sclerosis. You know, I do my research. I find the best MS center in the country. I see their best physician. I take the newest drugs. Three weeks later, I hear tilt, recline, wheelchair. And my disease has converted from relapsing remitting MS to secondary progressive MS. I get my tilt recline wheelchair. Uh, let's take mitoxantrone. It does not help. That's a form of chemotherapy. I take Tizabri. That's the new biologic that everyone is so excited about. That does not help. Then I'm switched to Celsept, another immune suppressant drug. And that's when I have to ask myself, am I really doing all that I can? Because, you know, I, I'm still mentally clear. And so I decided to go back to reading PubMed. And I start reading the basic science articles, animal models of Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, ALS, uh, Huntington's disease. And I decide that the mitochondria dysfunction is what's driving disability. So I eventually create a supplement cocktail for to support my mitochondria. And that slows my decline. And I'm very grateful. But I am still declining. And in 2007, I can no longer sit up. I'm in a zero-gravity chair with my knees higher than my nose. That's how I staff the resident clinic. That's how I take my meals at home. Yeah. And I discover a study using electrical stimulation of muscles in people who are paralyzed. We're never going to walk again. I asked my physical therapist, uh, can I try that? He says, well, yes, we can do that. We'll grow bigger muscles for you. But I'm not sure your brain can talk to those muscles. I might be making it harder to take the few steps that you can take. But he does give me a test session. It hurts bad. I mean, really bad. But when it's over, I feel great. My therapist says it's probably from the endorphins. So we add the electrical stimulation of muscles, or E-STEM, as he calls it, to my exercise program, which is just 10 minutes. Because if I do more than that, I can't function for the next 48 hours. And then my chief of staff pulls me into his office and tells me he's going to send me to the traumatic brain injury clinic. I describes the job. I go home and tell my wife, Jackie, he goes, you know, Terry, there's no way you can do that. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And, and you know, come January when I have to go to the new clinic, I'll either be able to do this or not. And then I'll have to finally apply for medical retirement. So I'm pretty bummed by all of that. Uh, but I discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine. I take their course on neuroprotection, and I have a longer list of supplements, and I add them. Yeah. And then I have this interesting aha 
Like, what if I redesign the paleo diet that I've been following for five years based on this long list of supplements I'm taking from a mitochondria? So trying so to get the supplements in more of their natural form instead of in, in the food. Them. And the assumption is that there's probably more things in the food because the food is much more complicated. Sure. Um, that would be really good for me. Um, so that's a, a, you know, a couple more months of research. And I'll start this new way of eating December 26, 2007. Now, for everyone who's listening to this, at this point, I want you to know just how disabled I am. Yeah. My electrical face pain, the trigeminal neuralgia, has been relatively worse. It's getting much more difficult to turn off. I, I can take a few steps using two walking sticks. I can no longer sit up. I have a zero-gravity chair that I staff the resident clinic in, another one at home. I, I haven't been able to go out to eat or to movies in years because I can't sit up. It's hard to drive the 10 minutes it takes to get to work. And of course, I'm coming to terms with, I know I am beginning to have some brain fog. Um, I am probably going to have to take medical retirement. And so it, yeah. it's very clear, as I look at the 27 years of worsening trigeminal neuralgia, yeah. seven years of worsening MS, and now I'm really quite young. I'm only 52. I, I'm on track to become bedridden by my illness, demented by my illness, yeah. and probably die with intractable, horrific pain. Yeah. So I start this new way of eating. January comes uh, and I have to go to the, to the traumatic brain injury clinic. The first two weeks in clinic, I'm just going to watch my partners examine these veterans with traumatic brain injuries. Well, you know, I should be able to watch. That, that, that doesn't take hard. as much energy, right? If I'm just watching. <laughs> just watching. Yeah. Uh, and then the third week of January, I need to start examining in writing the notes. And the first day, you know, I come home and, you know, and Jack says, you know, how was it? So, well, you know, it's not too bad. And then on Friday, you know, I've, so I've done it all week. She goes like, well, you know, it's not too bad. And then I say, you know, honey, I want to sit in a regular chair. So we get a regular chair and that's how I, Join the family for supper. For the first time for a long time. In, yeah. in years. Yeah. How long had you been on the modified paleo diet at that point? I'd, already, I'd been doing the modified paleo diet five years. Okay. So, you know, and that brewing supplements for four years, yeah. modified paleo for five years. So, and everyone who's listening, the supplements truly very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, the modified paleo slowed my decline, but didn't reverse it. Right. The electrical stimulation was certainly very helpful. Things were beginning to improve. But, you know, when I redesigned that paleo diet, I, I'm still doing my electrical stim. I'm uh, still taking all my supplements. But, you know, I, I'm getting stronger. Right. And when I see my physical therapist, he goes, you know, Terry, you're definitely stronger. I can now do exercises 10 minutes twice a day. Then he moves it up to 15 minutes twice a day then 20 minutes twice a day, then half an hour twice a day. And then I start walking in the hallways with my two walking sticks. And then, of course, that just stuns my, my, my partner. It's like, oh, my God, are you on that Tizabri? And I go, well, no, I'm not. I, and, you know, by then I, I've gone back to my neurologist who, you know, sees me walk in. 
And they're like, oh, my God. Right. They're so, used to seeing you roll in, not walk roll in. in. So, I, so I walk in and, uh, you know, he's, of course, very, very excited. Uh, and then in May, and it actually it's uh, Mother's Day, I, I told Jackie, I, I want to try riding my bike, which I've not done in six years. We have an emergency family meeting. My children don't want me to do that because they don't want to risk my falling. Sure, of course. That hurt. create a bigger, you could break something. A bigger problem. Something else, exactly. Uh, but Jack says, no, no, we'll let her try. And so she tells my big six foot five, 16 year old son, Zach, Zach, you run alongside on the left. She tells my 13 year old daughter, Zebby, you run alongside on the right and she'll follow. We all that get into seems- position. You have people like training wheels all around, all around you. <laughs> all around, ready to, to, you know, make sure I don't get into trouble. Sure. And we get into position, and Jack gives me all clear, and I push off, and I bike around the block. Wow. And, of course, that big 16-year-old boy, he's crying. Zebby is crying. Cherokee's crying. And... When I relive that moment, you know, tears still come to my eyes because my, all of my physicians through the whole course of being cared for have told me when you have secondary progressive multiple sclerosis, functions once lost are gone. It, and so I'm like, how, the current understanding of progressive MS is incomplete. How much recovery might be possible. So that kind of opened up the light that there's more here that you... There's more that's possible. And so every day, you know, as already, you know, really working out every day, and I figured out how to work out while I was at work. And I'm biking a little bit further every day. And so in October, Jackie says, comes home and says, you know, honey, I just signed us up for the Courage Ride. It's 18.5 miles. However far you go, honey, will be a triumph. Now, at that point, the farthest I'd gone was eight miles, which, you know, was a lot. It was really a lot. And it was up and down. Around the block was a a wonder, right? Yeah. Um, So I finished it, 18.5 miles. Wow. And, you know, once again, when we crossed the finish line, you know, everybody's crying. My kids are crying. Jackie's crying. I'm crying. And this fundamentally changes the way I think about disease and health. It will change the way I practice medicine, and it will change the focus of my clinical research. Yeah. And I've since made it my mission to teach the public that there's so much that we can do to change the course of our illness, to teach clinicians how to use these concepts in their clinical practice, and to do the research that will change the standard of care. Yes. In fact, you have um, made it your mission to create an epidemic of health, right? That is one of the best missions I can think of. Thank you. Yeah. It's interesting to me because all throughout that whole journey, Dr. Walls, you were treating patients. You were truly Mm -hmm. the doctor who became the patient. Yeah. I learned a lot in medical school. I learned a lot in residency, internal medicine. And then there's another level of education you get when you develop a chronic (laughs) progressive disease that is not responsive to the best treatments that we have to offer. And, you know, some physicians like, okay, that's all there is, and 
that mm-hmm. they just accept that. Mm-hmm. And there are other of us who are like, well, they ask the question, am I doing all that I can? And then they're like, well, but I could learn. I could yeah. study and learn and I could begin to self-experiment. But yeah. uh, unfortunately for me, that's what I was willing to do. Yeah. Well, it's a whole different story when you are taught that certain medicines help a situation. And then when you are actually experiencing the ailment and those medicines aren't helping, you have a whole new level of motivation to try some different things. So you you have a lot, had a lot of reason to try. You know, and um, there were things that were helpful. I have trigeminal neuralgia when I finally got placed on gabapentin and that helped manage my pain considerably. It didn't completely take it away, but it made it much more bearable. Profoundly grateful for that. And Sayubadrol, um, when I'd have an acute flare, that could be very helpful. And the uh, highly effective DMTs as a group do a really very good job of turning off the acute lesions, the new enhancing lesions, the new relapses. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. don't do a good job of preventing the conversion to secondary progressive MS. They delay it by five years. They delay the time to wheelchair by five years. And, you know, five years is great. You know, um, five years is super helpful. But unless we fix the mitochondria, unless we get to the root causes, all these systemic autoimmune diseases will continue to be progressive. Right. Yeah. Let, let's uh, let's dive into that. There's so many things that you've said I would love to to dig into deeper. You've talked about that supplement cocktail that you had gone to, and none of us who aren't trained the way you are trained will understand mm-hmm. which supplements immediately yeah. to dive into. So what kinds of things did you go to first to try to boost your immune system or boost the healing process? So let's talk a bit about mitochondria. Any cell that needs lots of energy, such as brain cells, heart cells, are, are really packed with mitochondria. Okay. And if the mitochondria can't make energy as efficiently, can't make what's called adenosine triphosphate or ATP, the functions assigned to that cell decline, which is why people with fatigue, with anxiety, depression, brain fog, or, or also heart failure, have mitochondria that are, that are struggling to make the amount of ATP. So it's like, okay, what could I do to support my mitochondria? Uh, B vitamins are um, uh, important cofactors for many of the steps along mm-hmm. the way for uh, making ATP. Okay. Uh, in addition, uh, coenzyme Q uh, can yep. be very helpful. Okay. Uh, in that, uh, there are a couple of uh, uh, key minerals, uh, and that would be zinc uh, and magnesium that can be very helpful. And then if everyone will think back to um, biology class, I remember those little ovals that were the mitochondria. In, in the middle of the oval are all these little squiggly lines. Those squiggly lines are the cell membranes that are inside the mitochondria that hold the proteins that are involved in making the ATP. To make cell membranes, you need a lot of fat. You need healthy fats. You make a three fats, some omega-6 fats. And so most of us have 
plenty of omega-6. We don't have enough omega-3. So taking an omega-3 supplement will, will be very helpful. Sure. The omega-6s are what we're getting from a lot of those seed oils and the vegetable oils and things like that, whereas the omega-3s are coming from things like flax seed, chia seeds, some more of those healthier fats, like you were saying. Is right. that correct? And grass-finished meats, and lamb, uh, pasture-raised meats, pasture-raised beef, wild-caught fish. Okay, wonderful. So those are great go-tos. So your mitochondria is the furnace, if you will, of the cell. Yeah. And what was happening, or maybe what's happening in all of our bodies that are approaching disease, mm -hmm. is that mitochondria is not getting what it needs to have a healthy, vibrant furnace that creates the energy for our systems. So exactly. giving the, the body the right nutrients that it needs to rekindle that fire is really what you had discovered. You know, it, um, so it, when I was adding the supplements, I realized that was slowing the speed of my decline, that I was taking my supplements. You know, it was still fatigued, but when I, it, it was sort of um, traditional internal medicine doc, we're very skeptical of supplements, nutraceuticals. So after the <laughs> first six months of taking supplements, I thought, well, hell, I'm no better <laughs> through this. This so was a waste of time. <laughs> the waste of time, waste of money, I'm not doing it. And I couldn't get out of bed. I just really couldn't function. So after the third day, my wife said, you know, honey, why don't you try these again? So I, I did. Okay. And the next morning I could get up and go to work. And I thought, wow, that was really interesting. So two weeks later, I said, so was it you know, really I'm just one night you, you were better literally the next the day after? No, you know, I was back to my usual level of function. Okay. So I was, better is maybe a strong word. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I was back to my usual level of disability. Okay. Got it. And so I thought, wow, that's really interesting. So I talked with Jack. He said, you all want to try this again in two weeks. So two weeks later, I stopped all my supplements. At 36 hours, I just could not function, could get out of bed. We waited the three days. I took the supplements again in the evening. And then the next morning, I, I was back to my usual level of fatigue, and I could go to work. So uh, now I'm really excited, like, okay. I'm figuring stuff out that my neurologist doesn't know to tell me. My primary care doc doesn't know to tell me. And, and it's repetitive. Am, you were able to replicate it. More and than I, could re I could repeat it. Yeah. So by then, I had been a member of the um, University of Iowa um, Institutional Review Board. And this is the committee that reviews research on humans to make sure that we're being safe. So I tell the IRB... Give me the studies to review related to the brain, the neurologic stuff, the psychiatric stuff. That's what I want to review. So I, I was getting more and more comfortable reading the research, getting exposed to more ideas. And that's you know, how I would, over time, gradually add to uh, the supplement list. I was getting better at reading the research. And also, that's how I was exposed to the concept of electrical stimulation of muscles. So I was reviewing a study. And people who are paralyzed, again, never going to walk, um, they had been doing the electrical stimulation of muscles. The study would have been coming to an end, but the participants didn't want to stop. So hmm. they were asking permission to extend the study for another three years. Wow. So that got me like, wow, you know, I wonder if they have done this for MS. And the answer to that was no. There had been a study in Parkinson's, a study in cerebral palsy. There were 212 
papers that were out. It didn't take me that long to go through all of them. And that's when I made an appointment with my physical therapist. And I said, you know, can I try this? And we had this very interesting conversation. And fortunately, he was willing to give me a test session. Nice. Nice. You said that first one was pretty painful, but in general, that electrical stimulation, was that basically serving kind of as the workout you were unable to do? Or how, how was yes, that getting yes, your body yeah. going? So for people who are paralyzed, you know, they can't work out. Mm-hmm. So their muscles become atrophied very quickly. Their bones become thin very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they develop uh, central obesity. They developed pre-metabolic syndrome, then pre-diabetes, then type 2 diabetes. They develop cholesterol problems, then um, a lot of atherosclerosis and heart disease. Mm-hmm. Because they're so, not moving. They're not able to. Because they're not moving. And yeah. it turns out our muscles are a big endocrine organ. They're really important to how we control our blood sugar, important to how we control our blood cholesterol. And what Dr. Shields was able to show was that by exercising people's thighs, you put electrodes on their quadriceps on their hamstrings, and they did uh, sit-to-stand exercises hooked up to their electrical pads. Yep. And of course, they're paralyzed, but it doesn't hurt them at all. Because they can't feel anything, right? They can't feel anything. Um, but they could feel the cognitive improvement, the quality of life improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, their bones were stable. Their um, muscles were stable. The blood cholesterol improved. Their uh, insulin and blood glucose improved. Mm. So it was like, okay, this would be good for me because I, I can hardly work out. I I, and our understanding of um, what the liquid stimulation does has improved these last 15 years. We now know that um, the electrical stimulation lets the uh, body make more of what's called uh, myokines. These are uh, cytokines made by the muscles that will help you grow more muscles and more bone density locally. And also in the brain makes more nerve growth factors. And nerve growth factors help your brain have signals to repair myelin, to repair uh, synapses. It is like fertilizer for the neurons. Wow. Which is probably why I observed such a great and wonderful impact on my mood. Yeah. After doing the electrical stimulation muscle step. Yep, it hurt, but I felt so good afterward. And so, you know, I was doing electrical stimulation muscles. And even though I can walk, hike, bike, I can jog, I still do electrical stimulation muscles as part of my strength training routine. And I expect that I'm still making a lot more myokines to have more muscles, better bone density. And I can still tell the improvements uh, in mood, in mental clarity after doing my electrical simulation. Wonderful. That is amazing. And I talk about this in my book, The Wallace Protocol, that I think exercise is so important. Electrical simulation is not a requirement. You don't have to do that. However, I make the observation that athletes who don't have medical problems, athletes, particularly the strength-based athletes, you know, bodybuilders, wrestlers, uh, sprinters, whether it's a uh, racing sprint on land or in the water, these people get a huge benefit from 
doing electrical stimulation as part of the workout so they can build bigger, stronger, faster muscles. Sure. The athletes will also use electrical stimulation to recover from injuries more quickly. So if you can't exercise, electrical stimulation will help you reduce the harm of inactivity. Mm -hmm. If you want to increase muscle mass more quickly, you could add electrical stimulation muscles. Again, not a requirement, uh, yeah. but helpful. Everyone should be exercising. There is certainly a growing body of research that tells us for the people who have difficulty exercising, severe disability, people who are bedbound, who require a walker or a cane, benefit from adding electrical stimulation to their strength training program. For those of us who maybe don't have access to electrical stimulation, you know, I'm able to do a workout, but I'm very intrigued by the electrical yeah. stimulation you're talking about. How does somebody, do you have well, to contact a, a physical therapist for such a thing? Or? So the, there are a variety of ways of looking for this. One is to call around for the physical therapy offices in your area mm -hmm. and look for physical therapists who take care of athletes. Okay. Because the athletes are using electrical stimulation. Interesting. Uh, and now that physical therapist is not likely to have experience with multiple sclerosis. And so this will be some mutual education that you're going to have to have is that you'd like to add electrical stimulation to your rehabilitation program. If you don't have any physical motor impairments, this doesn't really add a whole lot. Just keep doing your exercises, uh, go to the gym, get a personal trainer. And I think you'll do really well. So electrical stimulation for, especially for those who are maybe movement impaired. If you're not movement impaired, what kinds of exercises would you recommend maybe for people to start if they're not moving too much well, yet? Just begin. You know, I, I think it's really <laughs> helpful to do things that you like doing because if it's not fun and pleasurable, it's really hard to keep it up. If you can do things as a family, that's wonderful. So walks with your family can be lovely. Partner dancing. Mm -hmm. With your uh, spouse or friends, uh, uh, super helpful. Uh, but, you know, yoga, tai chi, swimming, okay. jogging, brisk walking, Nordic walking, okay. uh, strength training, balance training, Pilates. All of these have research that shows benefit. <laughs> There's a wonderful paper out by the uh, MS Working Group on physical activity in wellness. In their big recommendation is a goal of 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity every week or 75 minutes of high intensity and a mixture of aerobic strength training, balance training, stretching is ideal. Okay. But it should be fun. Yeah. Otherwise, you won't keep it up. Right. Yeah. So these people who do the Zumba dancing and all the other stuff, they're having a great time and they're That's getting a great, great workout time. in. And, and, you know, there's a lot to be said about combining exercise with music. Mm -hmm. Study after study has shown that exercise supplemented by music at the same time is super helpful. Okay. Yeah, and then if we're doing an exercise that asks us to do two things at once, that also super helpful. So and, like and balancing you do, while you're lifting, for example, or something like that? Is that what you mean? Um, or uh, balancing while you are turning your head. Okay. 
or uh, doing dancing while you're reacting to what your partner is doing mm. or uh, doing a martial arts form where you are going through a, uh, a precise memorized set of uh, steps, okay. um, learning how to juggle, learning how to do macrame, knitting, mm. crochet. Just these different ways to build different neural pathways in our brain. Neural pathways, many different neural pathways. Interesting. Uh, there's a very basic concept. It takes a lot of resources to run our body. It takes a lot of resources to run our brain. And so what you're not using, you're going to reallocate resources from that parts of your brain or body because all of our real estate is very expensive to maintain. And if you're not going to use it, we're going to put it somewhere else. This is why I forget my Spanish words when I don't use them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, keep it up. If you're not doing something, it will quickly disappear. Yeah. You know, and we continue to do, to do uh, research. When, in 2008, when I first began talking about diet and lifestyle, the message was controversial. It was condemned. I was banned as a speaker. Wow. Um, I, all sorts of terrible things were said about me. Uh, people said that clearly I could not have had multiple sclerosis because you don't recover from progressive MS, that uh, the physicians who had taken care of me were incompetent. And I'm like, well, okay, Let, let's say that maybe they were right, that I, I never had MS. Uh, and then you have to say, well, what about the clinical research that I've done? And we tested my protocol in 20 other neurology-verified diagnoses of progressive multiple sclerosis, either secondary or primary progressive MS. The 20 other and patients who had 20 had other it. patients, followed right. them for a year. They did my protocol. And we remarkably reduced their fatigue, improved their quality of life, improved their thinking ability, reduced their anxiety, reduced their depression. In half of them, wow, we improved their walking function in people with progressive MS, where you anticipate a 10 to 15% worsening of walking function every yeah. year. And you're told over and over again that it cannot be reversed. That it cannot be reversed. And, and that is the standard understanding of progressive MS even now. Yeah. And then we, so we wrote multiple grants to try and replicate that. I wasn't getting funding. So then I, I narrowed it. And we just started following just the diet. And so we've done diet studies looking at the keto diet, the paleo diet, a low-saturated fat diet. And consistently... We have found that implementing any one of those three diets leads to reduced fatigue, improved quality of life, reduced anxiety, reduced depression, uh, and improved walking endurance. Now, and we're at our eighth clinical trial. We have the largest effect size so far uh, that we've seen uh, is for the paleo diet. But the keto diet can be helpful. The low-saturated fat diet can be helpful. Other studies have shown that the Mediterranean diet uh, can be helpful. Uh, so the, the one diet that consistently uh, researchers have been able to show is that the standard American diet leads to worse fatigue, worse anxiety, worse depression, worse quality of life, declining walking endurance. More and more so, disease, yes. More and more disease. And so... 
all of your listeners, I, I encourage you and your family to sit down and talk about what could we do to improve our diet? What foods could we stress? What foods are we going to reduce or eliminate? And make these changes as a family. Because we're addicted to processed foods. They're cheap. They're plentiful. They're everywhere. Um, we have craving if we're not eating them. So if they're in our line of sight, we're going to eat them. Yep. If you want to stop eating them, you have to take them out of your line of sight. Uh, and if you want to eat more foods that are good for you, you and your family, I encourage you to look at things you could do to improve your skill and comfort with meal planning, with some recipes, some cooking, so that it will become easier to make wonderful, nutritious food. Mm -hmm. um, and for those who say, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't have lots of money. I, I, I can't do this because it's too expensive. Well, the Iowa City Veteran Affairs Hospital saw uh, my remarkable success with my trach major clinics, with my primary care vets. They pulled me out of primary care, let me create a new clinic called the Therapy Lifestyle Clinic. And I went to specialty medicine, to primary care, the pain clinic. I said, give me your most difficult cases, people who are suffering that you can't really seem to help. Let them know that I'm not giving them new drugs. We're just going to work with them on diet and lifestyle. And we had a few people to come at first, and we had remarkable success, which led to a few more, led to a few more, led to a few more. And then, you know, I'm having to reimagine how I'm running my clinic because I, I don't want people to have to wait a year to come see me. So we go from small group classes to larger group classes to larger group classes to very big classes. And I've seen people living on food stamps yeah. in rural Iowa, rural Missouri, rural Illinois, shopping in small, small grocery stores in these rural towns. Mm -hmm. They're not buying organic food. They're just doing the best they can. Although it is interesting that over time, they do figure out how to get more organic foods into their diet. So, mm -hmm. but, but again, these are people living on food stamps. And we saw remarkable health transformations. We, and we taught them. We had these wonderful classes coming in with chefs teaching us cooking, with personal trainers, physical therapists, occupational therapists teaching us movement classes, with health psychologists talking about motivation, about getting in touch with our why, how to grow our resilience, how to find meaning uh, in life. And... Uh, people were extraordinarily successful. You're handling the mind and the body and the whole physical, the diet. The, the, you're kind yes. of addressing the whole package, which is the only effective way, I think, to become a fully healed person. We have to address everything. Yeah. You know, it, you know in science, we, we want to study one molecular pathway at a time, and that's what gets funded by the National Institutes for Health. There's single molecular pathway studies, very reductionistic thinking. Mm -hmm. In our cells, everything is connected to everything else. Right. Everything is connected. Yeah. So an intervention that allows people to address as many things as they can 
in a step-by-step fashion will be much more successful. Correct. And changing a diet is actually not as bad as I think a lot of people immediately think. Because our foods in the standard American diet, which ironically is called the SAD diet, Mm -hmm. it's genetically engineered to be crave-inducing. So you end up eating more of it, which is more expensive than eating a healthy apple or a, a rounded whole food diet. You know, what I want people to um, realize is I, I, I batch cook. I'll, I'll cook meals uh, two to three times a week. Okay. Uh, and then, um, yes, we'll have leftovers. Uh, I'll freeze things. Uh, and, um, you know, tonight we're going to, I'm going to warm up some uh, lamb that we had uh, on Thanksgiving. And we'll have a, a big salad uh, with that lamb. I uh, and some um, green sauce, uh, which is uh, basically a uh, basil uh, pesto uh, over the lamb. It'll, it'll be really quite lovely. <laughs> it does sound good. Yeah. It, and if you batch cook and you'll learn how to make uh, some recipes that you can then either have later in the week or freeze and have uh, the following week, it's super helpful. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have enough. I, you know, I'm busy enough. I don't feel like uh, cooking breakfast, lunch, and supper, you know, three meals uh, a day, every day, like way too much work. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is to cook two to three meals in the week that I can then recycle. Uh, it, it makes it so much easier. And if you get food, uh, ingredients that you'll use to make your recipes, it is much less expensive than buying the boxed processed foods mm-hmm. that, by the way, uh, have all these food-like chemicals that have been added to them that have deleterious health effects. Right. But spices are good for us. Meats, fish, uh, poultry are good for us. If you're vegetarian or a vegan, legumes and rice can be good for us. Mm-hmm. Quinoa can be good for us. Mm-hmm. Non-starchy vegetables, particularly good for us. Yams, squash is also good for us. Greens, you know, incredibly good for us. Uh, filled with calcium, magnesium, carotenoids, uh, nitrates, lute, uh, lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin, vital for us. Uh, white bread, added sugar, terrible for us. Delicious, terrible. Delicious, but terrible, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I love the concept of batching it and making things all at one time that you can kind of spread throughout the week and do your leftovers. That does save a lot of time and also makes it a little bit more efficient. Do you have recipes in here to share with people? Or yep. do you have? Yep, there there are a bunch of recipes in there. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and people talk about uh, liver being terrible. Actually, liver and onions is one of our family's favorite meals, and so I talk about how to make liver and onions, have it be delicious. We have several liver recipes that are uh, quite, quite delicious in there. Good, good. My husband and I often joke that anybody who doesn't like a certain kind of food probably just hasn't had it prepared correctly. Correct, (laughs) correct. When we grew up, all of the vegetables were canned and, you know, soggy and not very tasty. And part of what happened when we grew up, uh, we became low fat. And when we go low fat, vegetables are often bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that bitter makes the children go, right. and, you know, uh, we're, we're going to resist that. But if you have uh, 
fat, that cuts the bitterness. And if you add a little citrus or vinegar, that will also cut the bitterness. So one of the techniques that we used with our veterans in the lifestyle clinic, we'd have some kale or sometimes dandelion greens I'd bring in, and we'd pass around the leaf and ask people to tear off a leaf and chew on it. I'd be very bitter, like, oh, my God, that's terrible. There's no way I'm eating that. We understand (laughs) that. So if there are meat eaters and they were okay with eating bacon, uh, we would fry up bacon to a desired level of doneness and then pull out the bacon, chop it up, put that aside, add the greens and stir until the, the greens are, are uh, wilted. Mm-hmm. So for in the dandelion bacon greens, grease? in the bacon grease. Yeah. So oh. in the dandelion greens, that would be like, you know, 30 seconds. Now, if it was kale, that'd be like two minutes. Then we add um, just a, a, a splash of citrus, a lemon juice, or a splash of apple cider vinegar in the chopped bacon. Yeah. And we serve the bacon and greens. And the bets are like, oh my God, that is delicious. <laughs> and say, okay, go home. This is the basic recipe. And if it wasn't delicious, double the bacon and do it again. We had people who, you know, did not want to eat bacon for a variety of reasons. And then we did all of that with ghee. Then the, the other recipe that we did, so that was the cooked greens. I realized, okay, cooked greens could be really quite good. Yeah. Uh, then the next thing that we would do is that we would uh, take a, a cup of chopped greens, uh, a cup of grapes, a cup of ice, a cup of water, and a couple of tablespoons of olive oil, and blend that in a high-speed blender. And then we'd give them some samples of the green smoothie. And they're like, that's delicious. I, my, my, I think my uh, children will all love that. So what we taught them is we could take a food that was so bitter and objectionable but prepared the correct way, became delicious. Exactly. And when I was going through my healing journey, I had to keep reminding myself that the food is my medicine. And that sometimes when you eat your medicine, it's not all that tasty. <laughs> I learned really quickly not, for example, don't juice broccoli stalks. It's a really bad idea. Don't juice those. <laughs> they do not taste good. But The process of juicing things and drinking what my dear friends would call my green sludge or green goo ended up being the medicine that I needed to heal. So we sometimes just changing how we think about the food and giving ourselves the opportunity to try it ends up really opening up a lot of new opportunities to get fresh greens and vegetables and fruits into our diets. And with your family, your kids uh, talking about uh, the importance of food and the building blocks for restoring health and vitality, for helping them uh, have plenty of energy, helping them have a better mood, clearer mm-hmm. skin, uh, better athletic performance. It can be very helpful. Very, very true. You had your journey was starting basically around the year 2000. We're basically 2024. How are you feeling? How am I now? Well, yeah. I can uh, jog 20 minutes on my treadmill. I was up at the Rocky Mountain National Park and hiked up to 12,000 feet. Wow. Uh, uh, and I mean, I was really quite surprised myself, like, wow, you know, a three-hour <laughs> hike in the Rocky Mountains, like, that felt uh, really uh, very, very good. Yeah, that's uh, a lot better than lying in a zero-gravity chair, I'd say. It's a lot absolutely. more living. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, doing clinical research. We'll be presenting our research at the 
America's Committee on Treatments and Research in Multiple Sclerosis in February. I'm very excited about that. We presented our research at the Clinical Consortium MS Centers in May this year. We had four research posters, three oral presentations. Wow. Now we've gone from, my ideas I've gotten from being dangerous and banned to being celebrated as one of the important and leading dietary research investigators in the setting of, um, of multiple sclerosis. That is amazing. And if I didn't have a microphone in front of me, I would clap for that. <laughs> that is fantastic. So you're no longer banned from speaking by presenting yeah. radical ideas. Correct. You know, I was just at the American Academy of uh, Anti-Aging Medicine, gave a couple of lectures there to standing room only, talking about our research, uh, and then talking to dozens of people after each lecture, you came up and wanted to have more questions. Wonderful. I do want to invite everyone in your tribe to come consider screening and being part of our next clinical trial. We have this wonderful study, the efficacy of diet and quality of life, comparing a ketogenic diet to the modified paleo diet to usual diet. You'll have to come to Iowa City, Iowa at month zero, month three, month 24. Uh, you'll have uh, a bunch of clinical tests of walking, hand, vision, uh, thinking functions, some uh, surveys looking at mood, quality of life, uh, and fatigue. And we'll have a research MRI that is uh, no contrast at month zero and month 24. This will be the largest and longest dietary study. And I'm so excited because we're including MRIs. We're uh -huh. uh, uh, saving a bunch of blood, so we'll be able to go back and analyze uh, changes in the microbiome, uh, changes in uh, the blood biomarkers. And this is, you know, it's my goal to change the standard of care. And to do that, we have to have high-quality research that ex shows improvements yeah. can happen yeah. and then that can investigate the mechanisms. Exactly. And so to learn more, go to terrywalls.com. Even if you don't have relapsing remitting MS, please go and screen and agree to be part of the database because every year we do uh, a bunch of uh, different kinds of studies and you can be notified then about other studies for which you may be eligible. Fantastic. We will definitely put that information, Dr. Walls, also in the show notes so people have no problem finding that. They also can find you, obviously your website has a wealth of information. Yes. Your book here, The Walls Protocol, is a fantastic almost encyclopedia of information on how to heal and how to change your life so you can really be your self-advocate for good health. Dr. Terry Walls, I am so grateful for all you're doing to change the world in this area and how we are addressing autoimmune and MS issues. Thank you for your work and your time and just a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you. Thank you so much. So many key points in this episode. It was hard for me to narrow them down to just a few, but let's review them. Number one, be your own self-advocate. Science is always changing, and if the understanding of progressive MS was as incomplete as Dr. Walls experienced, well, then how much more recovery could be possible with other diseases as well? If you're ever told there is not a cure, at least in your own head, respond with a resounding yet partner with your doctor, bring the information to them and become part of the process. That's what it means to be a self-advocate, participate in the process. Number two, get to the root cause. At time marker 1455 and on, 
Dr. Walls talks about fixing the mitochondria and getting to that root causes. If you don't get to the root cause, all systemic autoimmune diseases will continue to be progressive. Our diseases are a result of broken cells, so we can't just band-aid the old issue with drugs or a short-term fix. We need a long-term patient process to make ourselves fully well. Number three, out of sight, out of mind. We are addicted to processed foods. They're cheap, they're plentiful, and they are everywhere. So if they're in our line of sight, we are going to eat them. If you want to stop eating them, get them out of your line of sight. And I would recommend get them out of your house. If you're going to have bad food, make it only possible to have it outside of your home. Number four, money is a poor excuse. For those who say that I can't do this because it's too expensive, Dr. Walls proved to us that it does not need to be expensive and it does not take extra money. In fact, eliminating junk food will save you money. Number five, time is a poor excuse. When you're changing your diet to eat better, it'll save you time to batch cook. Think smarter, work smarter, not harder. So cook meals two or three at a time and build in some leftover meals into your week. Number six, Dr. Walls says, white bread and added sugar is terrible for us. Yes, it's delicious, but it's also terrible. Avoid it. It's hard to do, but so worth it. Number seven, movement and exercise is key. It is so important, not just for weight loss, but for bone density, for brain and nerve health. The cytokines made by the muscles will help you grow more muscles and more bone density. It also helps the brain and makes more nerve growth factors. Nerve growth factors help your brain have signals to repair myelin and to repair synapses. Everyone should be exercising. Number eight, everything is connected. So an intervention that allows people to address as many things as they can in a step-by-step -step fashion will be the most successful approach. Number nine, we can change the course of our illness. There is so much we can do to change the course of our illness. We just have to participate in helping teach clinicians how to use these new concepts in their practice. Again, partner with your practitioner and help bring that knowledge to the table. And finally, consider being part of the next clinical trial on how diet is impacting our health. The link is below in these show notes so you can take the survey to be screened and potentially participate in this movement to change clinical treatment of diseases. It is Dr. Walls' goal to change the standard of care. And to do that, we have to have high quality research to prove that improvements can happen through diet and to know exactly what mechanisms it takes to do that. So consider participating and check out the link below. All right, if you enjoyed the content in this episode, please consider writing a quick review. Those reviews really help other people find the content that's valuable for them. And if you'd like to do something to help further research for how diet affects our health, please consider checking that link below in the show notes that will show you how to become part of that study. It also might just help you with accountability in your New Year's resolutions as well. Thank you for listening today. And thanks to all of you out there who are really working hard to spread the word about healthy eating, healthy living, and how great food and great healthy environments can help us all be fully well. God bless you and have a great week.